0: On September 5th, 1975, Lynette Fromm sits poised, beautifully wearing a flowing floral dress in a Sacramento interrogation room. She has one leg crossed over the other, revealing her legs mid-thigh and an empty gun holster strapped to her left leg. Just a short time before, Lynette had pulled a 45 caliber handgun from that holster, aiming it at President Gerald Ford. Secret Service would take her into custody before she could carry out the assassination. Lynette, notoriously known by the nickname Squeaky and one of Charlie Manson's girls, made the headlines in November 1975 after having been found guilty by a jury of attempted assassination. But this isn't the story of Lynette Fromm or anyone making national headline news. It is about the cold case homicide viciously carried out on a 71-year-old grandmother. Her story, although featured, didn't make front-page news of the Winchester Evening Star. Winchester, Virginia is where I call home and where I've spent the past 19 years serving as a police officer. I am Lieutenant Amanda Behan of the Winchester Police Department, and this is DeFrost, Winchester's True Crime with B. Hannon Smith. Joined by retired detective Craig Smith, each month you will join us on our journey as we reopen the 1975 homicide of Lena Robinson. On February 5th, 2020, I made a trip to Hanley Regional Library Archives to meet with volunteer David Jenkins to review what he had located after being tasked with researching information found and reported on by the Winchester Star. The Hanley Library is named after Judge John Hanley. Judge Hanley was born in Wexford County, Ireland in 1835 and moved to the United States in the 1850s. He became wealthy through his legal practice and investments. While Judge Hanley called Pennsylvania home, he was fond of Winchester, Virginia through his friendships and attraction toward the beautiful city. When he died in 1895, he left $250,000 in his will to open a public library for the city of Winchester. The architecturally designed library opened in 1913. The beautifully constructed limestone building was designed to resemble an open book and today remains one of Winchester's focal points for tourists. As I enter the library, I am in immediate awe as I reflect on the history and intricate details of the building's stature. So, Dave, we're here Hanley Archives, and this is where you volunteer some of your time, not only here, but with our department. Yes. We uh, really appreciate you having us and, and shutting the place down. I can't, you know, it's, uh, I feel very special to have this uh, to ourselves this morning. So, sure. thank you. And, you know, the last time that we talked, I gave you a task of helping me <laughs> yes. out. And yes, you do. Uh, because, you know, what I found is that, you know, looking at this case, it's, you know, from 1975 there's of course not much available online and uh, there was nothing available online for me to research and of course that's how we do our research today so of course you know other way that research is done and that's what you've um, done for us so if you can share some of what you have for me
1: well we have newspapers Winchester Stars that go back to the uh, 1890s and uh, so that's where I got the information that I've got for you today I just went back and took the dates that you gave me and started going through the microfilm and found quite a bit of information. I right. was I was surprised. Right. And it was interesting the way they reported things back then.
0: Right. Nothing
1: I, like today. Not right. As, not as in-depth.
0: Right. And a lot of it is out of respect uh, for the families and their privacy. Yes. And, you know, that's something in today's media that we, unfortunately, don't see as much of so but I'm hoping that this will help build on the case file uh, that we have because in in there I only located one article Mm -hmm. and uh, so I'm hoping this will this will help give us
1: some interesting things uh, of course the, uh, the first thing that I found was her obituary, and it was very short for Ump's Funeral Home. Shortly after that came out, then there was a larger
0: obituary, obituary
1: that, uh, that gave more details, except that it didn't say what she passed from.
0: Okay. <clears throat> Mrs. Lena Tuttle Robinson, 71, of 157 Peyton Street, died Saturday in Winchester Memorial Hospital mrs robinson was born july 11, 1904 in adair county missouri a daughter of the late george and dora martin tuttle she was a member of the first presbyterian church her husband clarence a robinson jr preceded her in death in 1957. surviving are two sons gail robinson of georgia Dr. Robbie Robinson of Winchester, one daughter, Mrs. Lila Sal of Richmond, eight grandchildren, three sisters. A funeral service will be conducted at 11 a.m. tomorrow at Ump's Funeral Home by Dr. James R. Jackson. Burial will be in Mount Hebron Cemetery. The body is at Ump's Funeral Home. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made to the American Cancer Society.
1: The next thing I found was, and this was a little hard to find, this was an article uh, and it started out, petitions filed against juvenile includes an assault. And it starts talking about a 16 year old male. And then down here, it says in other activity, then they started talking about Mrs. Robinson
0: right okay that's interesting and then what is the so the date on this one that's is, the
1: date of the newspaper article
0: okay so this is two days after the incident happened and yes. what i have learned since we talked is over so the date of the robbery was november 11th and her son recalled that that was actually on a tuesday 45 years and, and he still remembers that it was a tuesday and then she didn't pass until that saturday So this is actually two days after the robbery occurred and it's, it's, yeah, it's interesting that it's listed in other activity. I mean, this to me, and I guess it comes back to the way that they reported them. This would be something that would be the front page news today.
1: Yes, it would. Yeah.
0: Just to confirm what you have just heard, Dave and I have revealed the motive for the homicide. Lena was robbed. However, on a side note, so as not to cause confusion, Dave was reading the headline of an article that featured Lena's homicide. The 16-year-old that he mentioned that was charged in an assault case was unrelated to Lena's murder.
1: This article was actually the day before, and it just, it has cause of injuries, is probed, and it, it in fact gives some information about the evidence. Okay her purse.
0: Okay. This is likely a good point to do a quick recap of the case. Mm. On November 11, 1975, at 9 30 p.m., Lena Robinson was found lying on the sidewalk just outside her home at 157 Peyton Street. She was suffering from an open wound to her head, which was apparent by the blood that was flowing on the sidewalk. What you don't know is that packages containing games and pajamas for her grandchildren were found scattered near her as she had been out Christmas shopping earlier in the day. And the evidence mentioned by Dave was her purse, a purse that would turn up just three months later. The way the incident was reported initially to fire and rescue, um, there was some uncertainty as to whether or not it was a fall or what had occurred, but uh, the family knew right away that this was a robbery because our purse was missing.
1: There's not much else in the newspaper from okay. November of 75 okay. until February of 76. Okay. And at that time, they had a section of the paper they called Crime Fighter. Okay. And. The robinson case was the featured uh, article
0: so at this time okay so this is february of 1976 at this time they said that the handbag had not been located and we know a short time after this that it actually does get located but they actually picture it yes one similar in the paper itself and and it really it has some interesting so there's some witness information in here that we can that we'll be able to take a look at a little bit more
1: so now we've got a a picture of the police that's officer. I think going to be
0: yeah. Edmondson, I believe, is who was the primary officer okay. on that case, and I think I have a picture similar to that one. So those were probably yeah, Winchester police photos. Yes. So I think I do have copies okay. of those in the case file.
1: This article. 1976 as well February 14th okay indicates that the star column helped locate the missing clue
0: how about that I was wondering because so when you show me this first one I was like wait this has got to be around the date that the purse was found so this mm-hmm. was featured the purse wasn't found and now we have three days later that it's been found and of course the star is uh, saying that this feature likely helped interesting so did you have a chance to read this article yes what does it say
1: it tells where the purse was located Mm -hmm. and gives some background on her assault
0: okay does it say Mm -hmm. who who called in because that's what I couldn't find in the case file is something that indicated who called in you know locating the purse
1: well I think that was here Here, this goes with this oh here it is
0: right here so it says that Harry Akins of H&W construction was cleaning the Mm -hmm. gutters on the roof of North Cameron Street at approximately 9:30 a.m. when he found a woman's handbag on the roof. So it says though, let's see, yesterday when he was, okay, he told the star that he thought nothing special about the pocketbook, but when he returned to his office, his secretary, Mrs. Mary Willis, recognized it. The picture of the pocketbook from the paper flashed in my mind, Mrs. Willis said. If I hadn't seen it in the paper, I wouldn't have remembered her name. Lena's purse was found on February thirteenth, 1976 on the roof of 451 North Cameron Street. For those of you following our Facebook group, we have posted a map of the location of the attack and where the purse was eventually located. To join, please go to Winchester VAPD on Facebook and join the defrost group.
1: And then later on, this is from unsolved murders this was 1977. okay and this is the article right and it came out it said unsolved murders part four Robinson and then said robbery was a motive
0: right so that one's listed at the very top
1: Yeah. and
0: how many did it how many are they featuring in this article uh, that, that
1: was the only one they thought the that okay, the that's one. right because this, it was one is, in
0: the, that's right It was yeah. one in a series of unsolved murders in the area of course, you know um, this one being the only one in the city of Winchester at that time. Yes,
1: it was. and this is the rest of the article. okay continued on the next page. okay it was interesting researching this because I, I didn't know anything about this right And when I was younger, I lived right around the corner on Fairmont Avenue so right. I was familiar with the neighborhood and I was in the rescue squad at the time but I don't I don't remember
0: anyone talking about, anyone this.
1: Talking about it
0: you know it, I when I was talking with um, uh, with the family yesterday that was one of the sad parts of this is you know she when they arrived at the hospital she was actually um, I don't want to say the word alert because she wasn't. They said she was acting very confused, but she was still able to talk when they arrived at the hospital. And so I, I didn't have that understanding before and uh, then, you know, things just continued to spiral down at that point until she passed. It's a very sad sad incident and you know, they it isn't it is one of those cases that just hasn't been talked about.
1: No, it, it after after this article, uh, I continued to look through <clears throat> some more of the microfilm, and I couldn't find any further mention of it. Right after,
0: and then how if um, you know? what I would be interested in in seeing like around this time frame. What other now, you know, maybe these things weren't reported on. I know that any robbery that we have is typically reported on today. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not sure if they would Mm -hmm. report on it, but I'm curious as to if you could research any other robberies that were occurring around uh, that time frame, maybe within that during that year. Is that something that you would be able to do? Mm -hmm. Okay, can you kind of walk us through the process of how you Go about that.
1: <clears throat> there were on November the 21st of this year that she passed away uh-huh. on the 17th. There were three purse snatchings in the city.
0: When was that?
1: They were around the same time as as her
0: as when this atta- is getting reported is, on. Yes. So this happens on the 11th, and then those they're, they're happen.
1: The 21st.
0: Okay. So yeah. how did you get that information? Microfilm. Okay. I
1: just started. Like I say, I, I looked even further uh, in, into the, uh, the microfilm, and there were very short paragraph that you know there was uh, a number of person hatchings.
0: Okay. A lot of information has come out of the interview with Dave. I certainly appreciate him taking on this task. So let's touch on a few things for a moment. I want to go back and talk about my discovery of the purse. I can't begin to tell you the excitement that I felt when I realized that this case potentially had physical evidence still available. However, I definitely held my breath in anticipation on if the evidence still existed. To help you understand why, let me put things in perspective. The Winchester Property and Evidence Room currently stores approximately 20,000 pieces of evidence. Currently, state and accredited guidelines are strict when it comes to disposition of evidence and their destruction. However, as we have discussed and will continue to discuss, much has changed since 1975. The last trail of paperwork in the case file regarding the evidence gave me a bit of uncertainty, but this will be explained on a later episode. I contacted our criminal investigations division for some help. The sergeant immediately offered up a hand. On January 22nd, 2020, he entered the evidence room with our property and evidence clerk. A short time later, our clerk called me. Amanda, I have good news. We have your purse. My inner child came out. I shrieked in excitement. I immediately ran down to the basement of our building. I opened the door to the hallway just outside the evidence room. And there it was, sitting on a table. The cardboard box was approximately 12 by 18 inches. The evidence seal was still intact with the appropriate integrity markers. I immediately start the new chain of custody process and take it to the evidence packaging room. I don a pair of latex gloves and open the box. And there it was, a clear plastic bag containing the purse of Lena Robinson. My excitement immediately gave me chills. But the former detective in me is disheartened to see the plastic bag. I know that in order to best preserve DNA under current practices, the purse should have been preserved in a paper bag. Okay, I tell myself, there's no reason to get discouraged. We have the purse, and let's just be patient and take this one step at a time. So going back to Dave's interview, I now know how the purse was discovered, so I have some work to do. Also, he told me that just 10 days after Lena was robbed, the Winchester Star reported that Winchester Police Department was investigating burglaries and additional purse snatchings. The article is in depth and will give me some direction on where to take this investigation. First, I need to have a better understanding about what crime was like in Winchester in 1975, and there is no hesitation about who I need to talk to. Today is March 18th, 2020. Craig and I are joined by retired Major Robert Wolford. Major Wolford began his law enforcement career at the Winchester Police Department in 1969. He retired from his full-time career with over 30 years of service. He returned a short time later to help us conduct background investigations on police applicants. In 2019, he celebrated 50 years of service to the community. Major Wolford, much has changed along the way, and that is why we have brought you here today in addition your name is included in the case file on the homicide of lena robinson the case that we have reopened major wolford thank you for joining us today you're welcome let's start off by having a better understanding of what 1975 the year of lena's death looked like in the city of winchester what can you tell us about crime that year
2: crime that year was uh, was up it was um, we had over 500 breaking and enterings, and um, we had uh, larcenies, uh, purse snatching, robberies, and things like that. It uh, was around 40 for the year.
0: So breaking and enterings, that's interesting because that's about five times as much as what we're seeing today. Yeah. What do you think, uh, what was causing that number?
2: Well, I think it was the younger generation involved in drugs. Uh, that's what we felt at that time. We had stakeouts trying to uh, catch people, and we did. Matter of fact, I was involved in several stakeouts, and uh, I've caught some people that year.
0: Okay, so you talk about the drugs. What were the drug? What was the drug trend in 1975?
2: It was mainly marijuana. LSD was was a big factor as well. Um, Maybe just a little bit of uh, cocaine, but but mainly marijuana and in, in LSD.
0: And that's what I've noticed in looking at some of the possible suspects in this case. There's information that they were using LSD, so that definitely makes sense. Yes. Craig?
3: So what I was interested in is, um, tell me a little bit about these breaking and enterings and the purse snatchings. Were they all generally the same? groups of people that were committing these crimes?
2: We suspected uh, a lot of them, yes. We we uh, arrested uh, s- several young people involved in breaking injuries and uh, I think uh, we had uh, a couple that we did multiple charges on for the same, same so, thing.
3: To give everyone an idea, how was the police department structured? in 1975 in terms of patrol and investigations and how you responded to serious incidents?
2: Yeah, Um, well patrol and investigations mainly the investigators worked day shift Um, but they had a part-time investigator which I was on the four to midnight shift and um, they had one uh, on the third shift and uh, whenever a major Crime occurred. We notified the chief of police, and then he notified all the investigators to come in and work it. If it's on the midnight shift or second shift,
3: we know that um, this case involving Lena occurred on Peyton Street. Right. What was Peyton Street like in 1975?
2: It was pretty much upper middle class, um, a good neighborhood. Hardly ever any activity there as far as criminal activity. Um, I feel that uh, it was surprising that this occurred on, on, uh, on Peyton Street.
3: Do you remember the
0: night that this occurred?
3: Oh, yeah. yeah. Why?
2: <laughs> well, because it was a homicide and I was involved in it. Okay.
0: And just like today, homicides are not common in Winchester. And I would guess that it was like that back then as well, correct? Yes, yes. Okay. and just like other places in the city you have Peyton Street and then within a couple of blocks you see a difference in what's occurring in those neighborhoods can you talk about that
2: yes well um, we have um, the northern end northern part of uh, Winchester uh, Loudon Street um, uh, Cameron Street North Cameron uh, we had a lot of activity there is criminal activity and uh, but Fairmont Avenue was basically quiet and that's close to Peyton and uh, Peyton Street and North Avenue and things like that. They were relatively quiet neighborhoods.
3: So I know that you have the crime stats from 1975. Yeah. How many homicides, manslaughters did we have that year?
2: Well, we had uh, zero, we had 17 freelance assaults, I think we had zero homicides.
0: Outside of this one.
3: Outside of this one.
0: Outside of this one, yes.
3: So in that sense, Winchester hasn't changed much in 30, 40 years because we still don't have that many. Exactly. And that's been your experience over your entire career? Pretty much, yes sir.
0: I want to talk about uh, one's motive in this case, and we've talked about drugs and, you know, the the manner in which uh, suspects obtain drug money that we've seen a change in that, Craig, right?
3: Yes. Yes.
0: So then we're dealing with robberies and purse snatchings. Today, what are we dealing with, Craig?
3: Today, I think a lot of crimes have moved to the virtual world where we're seeing a lot more frauds and um, cases, embezzlements that are taking place electronically as opposed to uh, strong arm robberies, purse snatchings, things like that. So I think it, it in, in some sense in today's world, the technology um, has changed the way the criminal goes about getting money.
0: And it's definitely less violent. We're also seeing suspects go in and, and shoplift items that they're pawning uh, for drug money, that's a big way in, in which they afford the drugs.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think so. We don't see anywhere near the amount of purse snatchings that we right. did. Um, and I think the stakes are much higher and the, and the punishments are much harsher um, for those today than you know some of the crimes that we've been talking about.
0: Major Wolford, I did want to talk to you about your role in this investigation. So walk us through some of the things that you did.
2: Well. Um... That night, uh, we started canvassing the neighborhood. We uh, talked to each each people within eyesight of the crime scene. Those, we did those first. And then after that, after each, each house and each apartment was contacted, we made our rounds even further out, uh, trying to come up with a suspect or or somebody may have witnessed something.
0: Yeah, neighborhood canvassing still occurs today. Uh, Fortunately, today we have uh, ring cameras or video doorbells that assist us in these cases. And again, another resource that had this happen today that we could potentially use to solve this case that you didn't have then. Right, yes. Something that came up in the investigation was the Winchester Police Department received a phone call from a psychic. And, yes. you know, that's something we typically don't have happen today, or we don't have cases in which a psychic feels compelled to reach out to us. So tell me about that if you have knowledge of it and if that was a common uh, occurrence then.
2: Not really when a common occurrence. Um, I know that one did call uh, Lieutenant Barley at the time. Um, and uh, she was talking from probably the middle of the country somewhere, Ohio or somewhere. I can't remember exactly, but she um, she came across some um, pretty head-on, yeah, information.
0: Right, right. So that was just additional information that you all attempted to follow up on as yeah. well. Yes. Yeah. So, Major Wolford, you definitely played a role in this investigation. I appreciate the information, but you weren't the lead detective on this case.
2: No, I wasn't. Uh, Lieutenant Barley and Sergeant Holliday were the lead investigators in this case.
0: Thank you, Major Wolford, for joining us today. It's definitely a benefit to have your perspective firsthand being at the scene that night and also having a better understanding of what the city looked like and what crime looked like in 1975.
2: Okay, thank you.
0: Retired Major Wolford has given me much to think about, and this psychic information has me intrigued. On the next episode, Craig and I return to the crime scene with Major Wolford, where we start to learn of witness information and begin developing theories on how this crime occurred. If you have information on the homicide of Lena Robinson, please contact me at 540-662-4131 or anonymously at 540-665-TIPS. This is Defrost, Winchester's True Crime with Behan and Smith. It is produced by communications manager Caitlin Squires and written by Amanda Behan. A special thank you on this episode to David Jenkins, retired Major Robert Wolford, Sergeant Adam Orndorf, and property and evidence clerk Karen Ward.